Hey everybody, you're listening to Living Theology with the Luby Brothers, a podcast dedicated to understanding and living out the gospel. The gospel that brings us to God and transforms us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. We are your hosts, Doug, Greg, and Mark Luby. Well, welcome to a new year. We are starting a new series on common challenges for Christians. This kind of goes hand in hand with one of the series we did in the past, or maybe the other side of the coin. We did a series on hard questions about the Christian faith, which was really about big theological questions that people have about Christianity. And this series is a little bit more of the, uh, we'd say the day-to-day struggles of the Christian life, day-to-day problems that we encounter as Christians. And... Uh, We're going to be talking about a number of things, but the last time we actually tried to record this, right after we got done recording, I deleted my recording with almost no hesitancy by accident, and I did not (laughs) intend to do that. And so instantly, and so one of those that we'll talk about is anxiety or frustration or shame, and uh, that will that will help me even just deal with my own. Struggles in our own struggles in this year to come, and uh, we're glad to actually be able to do this episode again, though, and hopefully get this one out. Um, Doug, would you give us a download of what are some of these big issues or, or day-to-day struggles in the Christian faith that we're actually going to be talking about? What are these common challenges? Mark, like you mentioned, we're wanting to look at shame and anxiety and fear and to look at areas like sexuality and pornography. How do we handle social media or video games or substances? And we want to look at a lot of these areas that we pretty consistently run into challenges in our own lives and in the lives of students with whom we're ministering because so often it feels like okay, I'm following the Lord, I'm believing him, and I would expect these big areas of struggle to be changing more rapidly than they are. So what does it actually look like to believe that the grace of God transforms us, that God has sent Christ to pay the penalty of our sin, and he's now sent his spirit to help us grow in walking with him. And it's often a frustrating battle. It's slower than we often expect. But what we want to highlight is how does the gospel transform us? So I'm going to look at one verse here. And as we're all listening to this, just be thinking through the question, how is it that the grace of God transforms our lives? So one of the verses that will be key for us is Titus 2, 11 to 14, which says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works." And what I find so helpful about this verse is how clearly it talks about the grace of God producing change in our lives, helping us to live 
self-controlled lives, being zealous for good, because this really is what we want. We desperately need our sins to be forgiven, but we also want to be restored as the image bearers that God has made us to be. Do you guys have other thoughts from Titus 2, 11 to 14? I just think that it's fascinating that it says that the grace of God is what motivates us and is what compels us. And, um, that idea of what does it mean to have grace be driving us? Cause that's so distinct to Christianity that what we're driven by is grace. Our motivation is love. It's not fear. Um, it's not earning something. It's what God has done for us. And so I think that that mindset shift is so powerful. And what I see often in my own life and with some people I walk through life with is that when our motivations get off for why we're changing, why we're transforming, um, it's hard to sustain that and it's hard to have that long-term actually change our hearts like only grace can. Yeah. Yeah. I love second Corinthians five fourteen, which says that the love of Christ compels us or controls us. And so often I can be controlled by the vision of who I want to be or controlled by my own fear or pride or whatever it is, but thinking, what would it actually look like if the love of Christ is what is guiding and directing everything that I'm doing? Hmm. That would be sweet. That's what eternity with God in Christ in heaven will be. But today we want to see the gospel in greater measure lead us to be compelled by the love of Christ And that the gospel, the grace of God is the power by the spirit to enable that. Yeah. I think the term training is so cool too, even as we're talking through that of how the gospel changes us, that we can think of the value of going to the gym and getting in shape. And we know the value of training. Like if you want to grow in something, you're going to train in whatever practice, trade, sport it is. But here it's the training that changes us as Christians is actually a training in the grace of God. And there's just something so beautiful about that image of like we we are to be trained in the grace of God. And it truly does bring about transformation, change. It really does involve this real experience of the gospel in our lives, bringing about a fruit that rejects sin, rejects ungodliness for an upright life in Christ, like you're saying, Doug, which is beautiful thing. This is what we long for. Our hope is not just that we're stuck in our sin, living in the same patterns, but there's a real true day-to-day lived out hope of the way that the gospel transforms us. Yes, in the days to come, but also today as we're trained by it. Greg, I know you have another good passage that is going to help give us just this perspective of how do we go about transformation in some of these big issues. Would you be willing to share that one? Yeah, one of my favorite passages for this is Colossians 3, and there's three specific elements of it. It talks about first setting our minds on things above and uh, setting our hope really on eternal things. And so the first thing that we're called to as Christians in transformations is set our minds and our set our hearts on Christ who is above and set our hearts on eternal things. And so we need a mindset shift by the gospel. And that's the first thing that we need as we're creating transformation and change. And like we're talking about before, we'll talk about what does it mean to be driven by grace? What does it mean to set our hearts on grace and who Christ is, what he's done for us, our identity in Christ, what it means to be seated with Christ in eternity and the implications of that for our identity and how we live. But then the next two things it says, it says, put to death, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And then it says, put on as God's chosen one, holy and dearly love, compassion, 
gentleness, kindness, humility, patience, and it gives these characteristics. And so it says, put off sin, put on Christ. And so there's all three elements here of having our minds transformed, putting sin to death, and then replacing it with something greater. And I think that we need each element there because if we just think, okay, I'm just going to stop sinning without having our mind changed by the gospel without having our hearts um, being compelled by God's love and by grace, then it's going to be hard to keep motivation. If we just are trying to put it to death without putting something greater in our minds to fill what's empty, then it's going to be hard to not fall into the same patterns and say, oh, you kind of need every element here, put off, put on, have our hearts and our minds changed and transformed. So as we approach common challenges for Christians, we're going to go with this gospel framework of it's Titus 2, that we are trained by God's grace, that God's grace is what transforms us, that we are to set our mind on what's above, that we are to put off things and then put on things. And all that we do by the grace of Christ, by what God has done for us in the gospel. One way that we're going to talk about it as we go through just sort of a framework is we're going to talk about head, heart, hands. And so... Uh, as we talk about each issue, we'll try and hit on head. Okay, what what do we know? What do we believe about this issue? How do, how do we transform our thinking and the way we understand it? Heart, how do we change our heart, our affections, our desires, what we love as we talk about an issue like addiction or uh, struggle of anxiety? How, how, do, how do heart heart realities hit us and change actually what we desire, have affections for? How how does the gospel do that? And then hands, what does this look like practically lived out? What do we put our hands to? What work does this look like? What does this look like lived out? And so head is, is the understanding, heart is this affections and love and hands. And we know that this isn't probably the perfect illustration because some of these things are so tied together, but uh, that's kind of the point of it though as well, is that these these things all really do tie closely together and uh, they're going to be hopefully just a helpful framework for us to look at each issue and, and hopefully differentiate some of the ways that we're addressing them in a holistic way. Doug, would you just kind of conclude where we're at and where we're going for this series then? Because we're not going to actually hit on one of these yet today, but we just wanted to set up sort of the framework of where we're going. Definitely. I think one last encouragement that I would have for us is we want to be trusting that the Lord really is at work to redeem us, to make us like Christ, to conform us to his image, and to have hope that God is even more set on this than we are. And he doesn't leave us or forsake us, but that he is the one who will present us before himself without fault and with great joy. Jude one twenty four and 25 is one of my favorite passages there that God without fault sets us before himself and even with joy that he delights in making us like himself, that he delights in calling us righteous in Christ. So we want to have hope in these struggles that we have that maybe you've been feeling depressed for a long time and don't feel the ability to get out of it. Or there's some sin that just has such a grip and you almost wonder, God, why isn't this one just gone already? Why haven't you just taken it away? So first to have hope that the Lord really does have joy in us as his people. He rejoices over us with singing, that he quiets us with his love, that he calls us his children and to have hope 
that God, by the power of his spirit, is at work to transform us. And he's even more committed to make this happen than we are. So let's trust him. Let's press into this and allow the grace of God to transform us as we set our minds on Christ, put to death sin, and put on the love of Christ. Thanks, Doug. We're looking forward to a season of walking through these issues together. Thanks for joining us for this episode. We hope it's of encouragement to you and that you join us next time for another discussion. The music excerpts for this podcast come from the song Enthusiast by Tours, which is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license. More information can be found in the show notes.